Welcome to the broadcast of the First Baptist Church in Riverton, Kansas. We're so glad you joined us today as Pastor Aaron Williams shares a timely message from God's Word. At FBCR, the vision is to first and foremost build the church on the solid rock truth of Jesus Christ. Second, to see people saved and set free by accepting Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior and then following Him in believers' baptism. Third, we want to develop fully committed disciples of Christ who will grow spiritually in their faith and worship Him in spirit and in truth. And finally, to send an army of believers into the world as missionaries, sharing the gospel with those who don't know the Lord. Jesus is the rock that won't move. His word is strong and powerful, and His love can never be undone. Now with today's message, here's Brother Aaron. Okay, if you have your Bible open to Matthew chapter 15, verse 29. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh to the Sea of Galilee. He went to the mountain, sat down, and a great multitude came to him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, crippled, and many others. And they cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb speak, the crippled were made whole, the lame walked, the blind began to see that they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him, and he said, I have compassion on the multitude, because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. And Jesus said to him, I'm sorry, his disciples said unto him, Whence should we have this much bread in the wilderness. In other words, they're saying, where are we going to get this much bread to feed these people? As to fill so great of a multitude. Verse 34. And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven and a few little fish. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves, the fishes, and he gave thanks and broke them. And he gave them to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did eat and were filled. And they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets full. And they did eat 4,000 men besides women and children. And he sent the multitude away, took a ship, and came to the coast of Magdala. This is what we would consider to be a story within the Bible. Possibly if you have been in Sunday school as a child or have been around the church very long, you've heard that Jesus fed the multitude. And I want to begin to look from a very practical viewpoint what the reaction of Jesus was to the multitude of his day. I would like to look at this in context and in relationship to the church of our day. A lot of times you ever come to church and you ask yourself, I wonder what Jesus would do. Or you see that t-shirt or on the back of someone's car, WWJD, what would Jesus do? You ever do that? And you wonder what the reaction of Jesus would be. And I know as you begin to come to church, maybe you ask her, you know, if, if Jesus, literal Jesus, was here pastoring the church at Riverton, what would Jesus do? What would he be doing? And it's wonderful that we get a glimpse in the scriptures of what Jesus would do. The Bible gives us a very direct account of what he would do. 
And I think as even in our own lives, we wonder at times when we're, we're undergoing seasons of life or wanting to be fruitful with God, how do we do this? You know, what would Jesus do? And so if you read the scriptures, I'm, I'm hoping that in the weeks ahead that you'll begin to look at what Jesus actually did and, and, and not look at it just as a story, but there's a reason that this was grafted to the pages of the Bible so we could get an, an, an idea of what the nature of Christ is. Not just was, but what the nature of Christ is. And we see here that he has a multitude. And so I want to take a look at the mega church of Jesus. This is the, the mega church. I mean, there's right here we have reliably recorded. It says 4,000 men. This isn't counting women and children. So we don't know exactly, but we could see 4,000. Now, imagine today that today you are following Jesus and we're in this text of Scripture and you're with four, I mean, the group that you're in, there's 4,000 men. Now, get a look at this. I mean, put this, sometimes we read over the text, and we don't get a real practical thought of what was this like. Jesus and 4,000 men, we don't know how, how many had their wives and some children or friends with them. But we're taking a look at, Jesus didn't go get in this fancy building in this text. He gets up on the side of a mountain. And can you imagine looking out at over 4,000 men with women and children present? And they've been following him. And keep in mind, we're only one chapter away from the last time Jesus was in a situation like this. With 5,000? And some real miraculous things happen. And now he's got the same disciples. It's the same Jesus. Probably some of the same people. and Probably some different people there also. I mean, because Jesus was a multiplier. It's normal that you get a touch from Jesus and go tell your friends... And then you bring someone with you because of the way Christ touched your life. This is normal Christianity. Normal multiplication. And I mean, here's 4,000, and he's got 12 disciples. I would call that a great multitude. It said, though, I want to take a look at what this congregation looked like. The mega church of Jesus. I mean, you can have this thought because after all, we could get in a car and we go to what we think a mega church is. I don't even know what that means scripturally. It doesn't. But I know biblically what it looks like. And so I want to look at the Bible and say, like, if Jesus is in Riverton with 4,000 men, women and children, great big mass of people... What's it look like? Because the Bible tells us. Here's what it looks like. Verse 31. Insomuch the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb speak. The crippled were made whole. The lame walked and the blind began to see. They began to glorify God. 
this looks like a really indifferent congregation. Maybe not what you would expect. If you look at modern day mega church, what would be the motivator for the congregation? What was the motivator for 4,000 men to begin to follow Jesus for three days with no food? What kind of Savior is this? What, kind, what, thing, what is Jesus doing that causes 4,000 men with possibly family and friends to just keep following Him for three days? I don't know about you, but as a preacher, after three days, I would be pretty tired. As a follower of Jesus, there's been times in my life When I've been following Jesus three days and not wanting food, I really needed the work of Jesus worse than I needed anything else in my life. And this mega church of Jesus in the scripture here is full of people who needed a touch from Jesus more than they needed food. What I'm saying is it's not that they weren't hungry. They were just hungry for something other than what their friends could produce or what they had always done. They were so hungry for a true work of God and He had come to the earth, Jesus Christ Himself. What was the church there not doing that Jesus Himself could gather 4,000 men with women and children in the midst of a place that had synagogues? Why do we have a congregation mentioned who are lame and broken and blind and obviously discouraged, but a multitude? May I ask you a question? If today literal Jesus walks and goes to the lame and goes to the blind and goes to the hurting and goes to the poor, goes to the hungry and goes to the prison, goes to the jail, would Jesus still have a multitude of 4,000 men? Plus, Yes, the answer is yes. He would still have this. Actually, the day we live in is no different than the day Jesus lived in. He actually still wants to do what He did. So what's changed? There were synagogues then that obviously wouldn't meet the needs of the broken. In fact, Jesus criticized the church of His day for not meeting, for trying to be a whited sepulcher but full of dead men's bones. He told the church of the day, and we can't be reminded too much. As followers of Christ, we must always be on point. We're to multiply and get a hold of someone that's broken and can be touched the way you were touched by Jesus Christ. And so maybe recently you've lived through some seasons of your life. You want to be fruitful. And I'm telling you, the way you get fruitful is get a touch for yourself. I mean, just get hungry and thirst after righteousness for Christ's sake and let God fill you with something other than just bread. I mean, we're going to have a fellowship dinner afterwards. We're Baptists gathered together, we eat. Two or more Baptists gather, we eat. That's just how it is. And we joke a lot about that. But can I say something? I'm excited to be a Southern Baptist pastor. I make no apology for the Word of God. I preach it. 
I'm born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, and God called me to be a preacher so I could declare the gospel to all of humanity and let them know there's one road out of hell. There's a thousand roads in. And we will be standing on the word of God as our final authority until our last breath. And that's the congregation and the church and the bride of Jesus Christ, the one always adoring the Savior for his fresh, pure work. But this church this day that Jesus had following him was a multitude, 4,000 men, lame. Some were blind. Can you imagine going to this service and Jesus is there and your friends just invited you. It said that Jesus called his disciples and here's what Jesus, he said, I have compassion on the multitude. This may look too simple, but I want to challenge our hearts this morning and those who may be listening uh, by radio or otherwise. Are we motivated in what we do by the compassion of Christ Christ was moved with compassion toward the multitude. He said, because they've stayed with me for three days, they have nothing to eat, and I am not going to send them away fasting. Do you know that if you come for Christ, he's going to give you what you came for? Jesus does not play hide-and-go-seek. If you seek him, you will find him. And that's the wonderful thing about the Savior. If you've come into this church today, or you are so hungry in your life, you're approaching Christ and asking for the Word of God to speak to your life, there is a way God can supernaturally and miraculously give you what you came for. And you have this wonderful congregation that's out here and lame and things are happening and now they're hungry. And so now you've got this notable miracle. There's a miracle just a chapter away. And I want to take a, a great look at what the disciples say in response to the compassion of Jesus. I mean, it's one thing to say, man, Jesus had compassion. Or it's one thing for Jesus to say, and if you're one of the twelve, Hey, I'm having compassion on this group of people. Well, what does that mean? Well, I don't want to send them away hungry. That's what Jesus is basically telling the twelve. I don't want them to leave hungry. I don't want them to faint in the way. I don't want them to get headed home from here in a natural way and fall down on the dirt. But even spiritually speaking, sometimes we need to be fed in a way that will get us where we're headed. To get us back home. It's not enough just to get the touch of Christ in, an, in a service like this. But you need the strength of God to take back to your home. So you can live and walk out and give to someone else what you've received. So this multitude isn't always going to be here. It was here present so we could get a look at 4,000 men with a whole bunch of broken people getting a touch by God and fed by Jesus Christ. But not just fed so you would sustain yourself to build a service. You see, this isn't just about building locations and buildings and denominations. This is about the kingdom of God and the lordship of Jesus Christ. To be able to come into contact with a body of believers and then go back home so full of what you receive that you can't help but multiply or give it to the broken person on your, in, on your block. A way that we know that we have become something other than a follower of Christ is we begin to turn our nose up at those who are lame, those who are blind. Those who are broken. 
And if we ever would begin to think we are something above the broken of this world, God now would ask us to challenge every one of our hearts and get back to the true church. Maybe we need to ask Christ to adjust what the church looks like to us. Today we have a perfect example of a multitude of believers. Here's what the disciples' response was in verse 33. Where are we going to get this much bread in the wilderness? That's what they asked. Where are we going to get this much bread? Their response to the compassion of Christ, and that they didn't want him to go home hungry, is how are we going to do this? I think it's a response we have many times. We want to do this. We want to not only be fed, we want to help feed others. How do we do this? Jesus, I mean, I, I, every one of us here in this church could ask this question to Jesus right now. How do we do it? It looks like we don't have enough. Jesus asked them, what do you have? What do you have? And they replied to him, well, seven loaves of bread and, and two little fish. Little. <laughs> this reminds me of my fishing trip this week. <laughs> I have friends that can catch a lot of fish. Big fish. But when I was finished and I thought about this late in the week, I was studying this text. And when I was done with my fishing trip this week, I looked in a five-gallon bucket and there were two little fish. I did all I could to make those fish look bigger as I took pictures of them to send them to my friends. Have you ever done that? You know, you want the fish to look huge, so you put your phone real close to it like it's about this big of a fish. And I was looking in that bucket, and I thought, that's, a that's not going to feed me tomorrow, let alone my, anyone else. I mean, I don't want to tell anyone I went fishing hardly when I get done just catching two little fish like this. They wanted to help Jesus with the multitude. But they didn't know how they was going to get what they needed to do the job. And if you'd asked me, preacher, if that was Jesus walking up to me this week on the pond dam and said, Aaron, there's 4,000 people going to come to church Sunday and I want you to feed them a meal afterwards. I'd have said, how am I going to do that? I probably, as much as I preach this morning, I probably would say, and, and my brother and sister back here, they know how they would feel too. If they got here and there's 4,000, we're getting ready to have a meal in the back. We just, how are we going to do this? And I think in a very real way, that's what, that's what the disciples were asking Jesus. What's interesting is they're just a chapter away from watching him do a miracle and feed the multitude. We're only a chapter away. From Jesus feeding 5,000 more than what will be fed today. And he did it. Can I ask you this? Will you just today place your faith in the God who before has done it for you? 
Will you place your faith today and find a time in your life, if you're a believer and have placed your life in Christ and you have seen Him, not men, Him do the miracle on your behalf? All He's asking in this text today is will you let your little be a lot in the hands of a Savior? Will you let what you thought was too little to do the job be too much when you're finished? Because when they were done feeding, there were seven baskets totally full to the rim. They had more than they started with, but willing to give their self. And what they did, Jesus never said, oh my, like like you did when I told you what I caught this week. But Jesus grabbed the fish and the loaves and he blessed it. He wants to bless our little. Because we'll always be little in comparison to Him. And there'll never be too many. That if we can get our heart aligned with the compassion of Jesus Christ, there'll never be too many. And can I tell you one other thing? Those disciples that are here in this church following Christ... He's not going to go feed the people. He's not going to walk among the crowd. He wants to bless this that you have. You thanks a little. And this Savior wants to make it enough and give it back into your hands. So you get to see what He does by multiplying the goodness of God for all mankind. Feeding the multitude, the lame, the blind, the broken. And when we align ourselves with the compassion of Christ, you've immediately put yourself in a ministry to begin to help others. And now you get to go among the crowd. And Jesus asks you later, who do they say that I am? Can you imagine those disciples, 12 of them, saying, Whoa! How many loaves did we have? Seven! He's done it again! I'm going to take off this way with a basket. You head that way with a basket. Hold on. Everyone's eating fish and bread. This isn't just a story. This is documented for our faith in Jesus Christ. This isn't a neat little thing. This isn't just a little story that'd be great in Sunday school. This is a story great in heaven. This is a story that is eternal to the Savior. This is a direct way you can know the nature of Christ. This is your response to Him and Him sending you to other people. This is the normal way Jesus builds a megachurch. This is a normal way He gets more to come than you can hold. And believe me, there's more people in America, in the United States of America, that will serve Jesus Christ and come to the cross of Christ, repenting of their sin and asking the forgiveness of God, if we would align ourselves and continue to do so on the compassion of Jesus and placing our faith in what we believe is too little in our life, but now by this text, if we'll place our faith and say, God, will you make my little a lot for somebody else? And then you get to come to the house of God with a report. And He may ask you when you've done feeding somebody, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? That's not because He questions who He is. 
Have you taken your little and put it in the hands of a Christ who turns it into a lot and seen God feed and see His strength shown through weakness to humanity? You are really the mirror for the faith of Jesus Christ to a lost world. This is not because he has a conflict. Jesus doesn't need to go to a psychology meeting to figure out what kind of encouragement he needs to finish the work he was sent to do. He's not asking them because he needs encouraged. He's asking them because do you have enough to multiply who I am when I'm gone? They're going to hang me on a cross. That's what he could have said to them. They're going to crucify me. They're going to put me in the grave. But as your little becomes so much that no matter where I sit in the heavens, that the earth will be magnifying the glory of my Father because of what he's doing, not only with the fish and the loaves, but in every one of your lives. If I ask you today, who do, you, who do they say he is? Is it a reflection of Christ or of our life? When I ask you, who do men say that Christ is at your job? Is it a reflection of who He is intellectually to them? Or who Christ is in you to them? When you ask a church at times, who does your community say Jesus is? Has Christ used the church so much? in the community with the halt, the lame, the blind, the poor, the broken, so much that it is such a mirror of Christ that the whole community could say, you're the son of the living God. And can Christ say to this church, Riverton First Baptist today, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And can you leave here today with a confidence, compassion, and an assurance of your faith that the gates, I say this as pastor at Riverton First Baptist, the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. Not our church. His church. So we learn that Jesus did have a mega church. We learn that the congregation of his church this day may have looked very broken. But can we say that they left fed very well? And as he blessed the bread, broke it, and gave it to the multitude, he'll have to bless our lives and then sometimes break us before he can give us to somebody else. Has he ever been your savior in brokenness? Is he your savior in the time of toil and trouble of life? If so, then you can give him to others. Can I say that this life will produce trouble, but be of good cheer? He has overcome the world. Forgetting the former blessings of God will leave us in a present doubt of our own faith. How could it be that these 12 disciples would just know a chapter before, possibly days ahead of that, such a miracle God had done among the multitude, yet this day asks, where will we get the bread? Can we say of our own lives that there have been times we've been guilty of the very same thing? Known Him to be full of power, able to feed us, able to bless our lives, yet we will hit a circumstance, and if we're asked by Christ, at times we may answer and say, God, where are we going to get 
where am I going to get the faith for this situation? Maybe today is just a reminder to every person in here, if you've been born again and seen God move on your behalf, that he wants you to reach back and grab a hold of a time that he did the miracle. In the wilderness with the children of Israel, he kept reminding them of the Red Sea. And because he had split that Red Sea, he said, I could do every other thing that needs to be done for you. Is our faith standing in simplicity that way? Or do we try to reason it and become so intellectual? I'm convinced that we're not waiting on greater preaching. It's simpler than that. We have a chance today. And as I give you an invitation, I understand some of the troubles of some lives that I minister to, but I don't know them all, but God does. And so today for an invitation, have you said to God, I I need a blessing, I'm hungry, but I don't know if my little's enough. Or are you willing today to say, I'm going to give you what I've got because you're big enough for my situation? Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. If you would like to learn more about our church, we would love to hear from you. Our telephone number is 620-848-3347. Or you may write to us at Post Office Box 400, Riverton, Kansas 66770. Our website is rivertonfbc.com and you can check us out on Facebook. The church is located two blocks north of the Quick Stop or one block south of Community Bank and Trust, then one block west or one block east on Bluebird Lane. Our worship services are Sunday mornings at 1045 and Wednesday nights at 7. We also invite you to attend our small group Bible studies for children, youth, and adults. On behalf of Brother Aaron Williams and the entire congregation at FBCR, this is Downtown Keith Brown inviting you to join us again next Sunday morning for another exciting message from God's Word. Have a great week and God bless.